back to Max Madness. I feel like that is the unofficial. It's almost gotten so like uniform Routine. now that, that there's like the the introduction of that fun non-copyrighted music that we stole off YouTube. And then the uh, the, the welcome back to Mark's Madness to do to do to do. it really it really has become become just so so warm I, and toasty for my heart. I, um, I I appreciate that me wailing some song like note and I'm gonna just call it that because it's I don't sing. No, <laughs> obviously no. me wailing a song like note is our intro because usually when everybody anybody hears me sing, they compare it to the refrain of that they say uh, he she say he just a friend song. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm gonna pretend Not I get good. that reference, but uh the other introduction. Oh, to you this, were alive in the nineties. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh baby, you. We talk about yeah. Bismarcky. Yeah, yeah, everyone loves yeah. Bismarcky. Um, I couldn't. I had to figure that out. I was like, God damn, what song is he talking about? I thought some seventies folk nonsense, and I purged that shit from my memory banks like actively. Um, more importantly, uh, the Blues are still winning hockey games. So yes, hockey, hockey socialism continues. Uh, yes. the most the most socialist of sports. I will still attest. Um, God damn it, yes, play Gloria. Let's do this, boys. Yes, um, the the Blues raffle stomped. Um, just all of Silicon Valley. But they did such mean they things just, just, to those California boys, and I'm okay. also I would like to officially remove the hit we put out on Logan Couture last episode. Yeah, um, no. not because I don't believe in it, but because at this point it would feel gratuitous compared to all the other mean things we've done to them. <laughs> so at this point, the hit is re- you have I have I have released you of your death uh, pact. You don't have to do that anymore. Your blood oath is rescinded. Uh, one person who was driving just taxi driver style across Silicon Valley to try and murder Logan Couture for us. So that being said, we're reading a book. David, take it away. All right. So we're reading chapter two of uh, Lenin's Imperialism, The Highest Stage of Capitalism. And obviously chapter one was talking about monopoly, concentration, and he was alluding to this being a new stage of monopoly, uh, Lenin was, but it really wasn't distinctifying anything from the theory Marx gave us before. Now we're going to start jumping to where this becomes Lenin's own because Lenin, these guys are materialists. They see things in real time. Marx wasn't around to see World War One. He just, he just would not. He, he yeah. was not a mortal mech that no, can no. summoned from the grave in a time that we he, will need him. He he lived quite a while, but there were only so many years on that life, as is the case <sighs> with uh, most people. Poor Carl. So, um, but no, that was the and that was the other interesting thing. Yeah, is, is chapter one did feel like a lot of we were you were you were kind of chapter one was the chapter for the people who didn't read Capital but needed to, needed to understand those terms kind of yeah. in passing. Yeah, um, that was Lenin summarizing. Marx's capital by using bourge- by using statistics and uh, bourgeoisie journalists, and yeah. he'll he'll continue with the bourgeoisie journalists and the statistics, yeah. but he doesn't have to like. And those continue throughout the whole book. And we talked about that in the in the intro yeah. that th- that was done intentionally to get around Russian censors. He used not he doesn't constantly refer to Marx. Because if you constantly refer to Marx at this time, you, you weren't going to get your work published. So he's using right. bourgeois people against themselves, which is a good rhetorical tool in and of itself, but also to avoid censorship. The other right. interesting thing I thought about chapter uh, chapter two, and especially going on, because this was something that frustrated me a little bit during Capital. And I know we talked about it, and I think if we got to the later ver- uh, 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 volumes of Capital, we would have seen this. But ch- ver- volume one of Capital was so giving them the benefit of the doubt and in my head I'm screaming like 
this is not how the world is. Like, yes, I, I agree, Carl. The version of the world you're talking about would be fucked up, but that's not the world that exists. There's a worse one, and it's it's got banks and shit and a whole bunch of stock companies, and, and things are happening, Carl. Right. Please talk about this, Carl. And Carl didn't talk about it. Right. Uh, Carl, and- Carl saw that, like, this entire imaginary world would still be bad, and the real world we live in is bad in all of these same ways because of these same reasons, so it was very, very useful theory, but it was super goddamn nice and forgiving. Yeah. Intentionally. Yeah. It played yeah, it played their game in order to be, you know, to, to, to show them on their own terms that you're wrong. Yeah. But damn it, I need someone to yell at Banks and thank God Lennon is here. Lennon is here to yell at Banks. I also do want to make a note too, uh, since he does do it through the book and we mentioned it, it was around about getting around uh, Russian censors. It is a nice rhetorical tool uh, to use the bourgeoisie sources against them. Um, something that's good is like when the UN very often will point out uh, the lies that that sometimes the UN is used to peddle to create regime change when they point out that it's a lie. It's really good to go like, you know, hey, the UN said, you know, you're doing this bullshit in Venezuela and you're full of lies and their elections are good. Hey, the UN said, and there was some news out about the Duma uh gassing and they they withheld that but the un was kind of there were rumors at the time that they were trying to go in you know when it was bombed first the opcw you know the un will admit these things the un the the world health organization was part of the un leader was the one that said no the dprk has you know a health system that would make most of the world jealous and and they're perfectly fine country to live in it's not this prison hell you say it is you know the un will will say these these, you know, we'll hear these absurd lies like, oh, my God, you know, every the entirety of the DPRK is just um, a one concentration big open camp. air prison colony. Just one like Gaza, but just but never mind Gaza. <laughs> just just one big giant open air prison. And, and if you sneak out, it's one of those like big wailing like alarms and the searchlights go off and you're tripping over barbed wire. Like that's what people think in their head. And then no, everybody has bad. to get the same haircut and they're they're they're, you know, uh, mesmerized and make the same act, and it's obviously it's nonsense. And so sometimes even the UN will say stuff that sobers it up. That's a good thing. But the problem with that, when you use that as a rhetorical tool, Lenin was very good because he's like, "This is theory," and he presented so much theory that they would have to jump in and talk about his theory before they went to this. But if you just use it in like basic debate, you know, I mean, remember Lenin was creating theory; he wasn't like debating or something. Yeah. If you use it in a basic debate, it can be a useful rhetorical tool, but it has a limit because then they'll go. Aha, but on page 29, they say this, and so therefore, you know, they say socialism actually is evil, or or Venezuela is run by a dictator, so you can't point out that that even Reuters will admit that that, that this is wrong, you know, that that all the stories are going wrong from the the DPRK... not refugee. What what do they call it when they leave the country? Uh, ref, not refugee. Uh, uh, the, uh, but the people expatriate. Yeah, expats. That's a good. One. You know why are all these expat uh, DPRK people stories going wrong in Reuters? But then like the third line is, oh, but you know Kim Jong Un is is an evil dictator, and they go, aha, you know. So there's some limitations this rhetorical tool. So I just don't want to like pick it up too much as a rhetorical tool. Oh, Lenin for did sure. it for a reason. Oh, don't. But it can be useful. And don't get me wrong here, guys. Uh, the, if if you're trying to use rhetorical. I'm, I'm talking. I am talking about a rhetorical tool that Lenin used in 19, uh, I think, 14. Um, a, a rhetorical tool used today is going to be something that you use on a Twitter fight. And uh, don't well, there's don't, more fighting than don't do Twitter, any of but that. any kind of debate. There yeah. is no, no. The Twitter yeah. is the ultimate battlefield. It's where where the bloodlines are drawn. <laughs> damn it, Nathan. It's where we it's where we fight our battles. Damn it. Um, until we branch into YouTube, coming soon, guys. Wait for it. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a bad it's a bad scene. So uh, don't. 
don't ever try and think you're going to, like, out-debate. Like, have your theory, put it out there, be as open about it as possible, but aha catches are, like, the worst form of any of this. Yeah, and and remember, you know, I mean, it's important to share your ideas, but whether you're sitting down over a beer and and getting an argument with someone or having, like, some formal college debate or you're on Twitter or, you know, you're doing some, like, YouTube response video or you're writing a book or whatever you do to get the ideas out there, you're doing a podcast, you know, realize that you're you're just platforming these important ideas and theories and it's important to show you're right it's important to have solid grounding it's important to prove other people wrong but the biggest biggest thing you were doing are platforming your ideas that get deplatformed because the bourgeoisie doesn't want to put on a show about Marx's theory, you know, every night. Well, speaking of which, go ahead and uh, fund Two Broke Lenins from the Pearls, Pearls Pod people. Uh, fund if you want so we can get that show made because, God damn it, I want that show where there are two versions of Lenin living together arguing over bunk beds. I need I, that. I need that in my life. I have not listened to this, and so I can't endorse it It's not it a thing way. to listen to yet. They're trying to make a TV show. It's going to be awesome. Okay. It's going to be fantastic. In the meantime, Lenin himself. Wow. The one one. Ten Lenin. minutes in. Let's get to that Lenin, dude. So this is the term where Lenin's starting to say, hey, you know, the banks, and, and this chapter is going to be about how the banks change their role, so it's going to start, it's going to be titled, The Banks and Their New Role. It really should have been titled, The Banks, Know Your Role, Sucka. And I feel like that would have been a much more, uh, if we're going to update this, that's my first edit for, is, for Lenin. Is 90s African-American vernacular. I was going with 90s uh, wrestling terms. Oh, but, uh, nice, but, nice. But I, was, I apologize if that came off as if I was trying to co-opt that. Uh, no, 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 no. No, it just was very was just, 90s was my I was concern. just very into, uh, I was very Booker T right there, uh, very, very ready for it. So. Right, the banks in their new role. The, uh, Lenin says, the principal and primary function of banks is to serve serve as an intermediary in making of payments. In doing so, they transform inactive money capital into active capital, that is, into capital producing a profit. They collect all kinds of money revenues and place them at the disposal of the capitalist class. So they're saying, you know, they take these guys, obviously you still have to be rich to take these quote-unquote risks or have the collateral to do this, but, you know, you have some kind of something that's valuable to the bank, idea, collateral, ability to take this risk, and you got to go up and say, hey, I need, you know, a million dollars to go start this Amazon thing, and uh, the bank goes, okay, well, yeah, here's your million dollars, go do it. That doesn't happen without that bank loan, unless you're Jeff Bezos and get the million dollar loan from yeah, your parents. Yeah, I was about to say. But most, most capitalists... Unless you walk up with a handful of your apartheid chaos emeralds and go, I'd like it, money, please. <laughs> but but most people, even the capitalist class, look at these loans. You know, it's to, to spend things, and I mean, cap, capitalists will openly talk about it. They'll talk about, like, you know, Mortgage rates and interest rates being lowered to kickstart the economy. I mean, they they tell you the banks are really in charge of how things are flowing. Oh, yeah. Um, And they tell it right to your face. Constantly. Uh, So Lenin continues, as banking develops and becomes concentrated in a small number of establishments, the bank becomes transformed. Instead of being modest intermediaries, they become powerful monopolies, having at their command almost the whole of the money capital of all the capitalists and small businessmen, and also a large part of the means of production and of the sources of raw materials of a given country and of a number of countries. The transformation of numerous intermediaries in a handful of monopolists represents one of the fundamental processes in the transformation of capitalism into capitalist imperialism. For this reason, we must first of all deal with the concentration of banking. 
Oh, and we're going to deal with it, guys, but this is another one of those fun times where, like, Lennon's going to Percentages of total deposits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to read the words. We're going to read the words when they're important, but but you also have to remember, like, this is one of the... Anytime they use current examples, they, they, they could age poorly. This is so much all more off the rails now than even Lennon would have talked about. So, again, when you're listening to this consolidation, think in your head of post 2008 think of think of when all of those banks consolidated together mm-hmm. when one bank collapsed but it still exists it's just owned by another bank Merrill Lynch and um, Bank they, of America there, there are a together. lot of there are a lot of examples of uh, of banks that that failed or smaller banks that went under and and they just seem to have gotten absorbed and we have a much higher concentration of banks. You could go out today and drive around your town and see a number of banks. There are there are, you could see, oh, my local mom and pop bank or first community bank of bankers, whatever. At the core of it, there are in this country four banks. There's Bank of America, there's Citibank, there's uh uh, J.P. Morgan Chase and there's Wells Fargo, and one of those is an on an, a literal on fire dumpster, um, and the uh, and and the other three are just kind of watching that dumpster fire and going, man, that sucks. Uh, and yet Wells Fargo still continues to exist as an entity, like th- somehow, <laughs> not even it just just it is, and it's a money making entity. It's a very profitable entity. It's an entity that has been publicly, uh, you know, proven to have committed crimes. And yet they're still just kind of chugging right along. Just chugging right So again, Lennon's going to talk about bank consolidation. Look around you and and try and tell me that bank consolidation didn't keep happening or didn't keep going or didn't get even worse than Lennon probably could have even imagined. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you don't have to look that far because you will see the company names, like, mashed together. Uh, one thing that's useful, too, like Lennon talked in, in the first chapter about joint stock companies. Yes. And at this point, the way the stock market goes, you can think of, like, big stock trading companies essentially as other banks that try to get perception kicked yep. uh, by moving stocks around. Uh, TD Ameritrade. <laughs> Those yep. were two different companies. What, what was it? TD Waterhouse and Ameritrade. TD Waterhouse and Ameritrade. Now it's just TD Ameritrade. I mean, I mean the, the wears it wears the merger on its sleeve. JP, JP Morgan Chase. I mean, yeah. What, what I mean, with JP Morgan and, and Chase, Chase Manhattan Bank. I mean, they 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 all they all 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 came from Bank of America. Bank of America was Nations and Bank of America, and then they were AT and T. Yeah, C. well, and and they ate up Boatmans and all those. And other well, ones. and all of these banks did that. Everyone, yeah. all of them, as they consolidated, would eat the low. We we locally here know Bank of America because they're the only national bank in our. We we don't have any other of the the big national banks here, so we we recognize them as eating up all the other little banks that you know solely consolidated. But that happened everywhere at every level. It's just which big national bank was in the area and had the ability to absorb all that capital that then became more consolidated. And you saw it, you see it every under industry. Again, telecom, AT&T and Singular. That were two different companies. Yeah. Then they weren't. <laughs> and it just slow, slowly but surely consolidated to the point that we had four cell phone companies and four mm-hmm. men. We like, we like things in fours in this country, apparently. We, we have four of everything. Mm-hmm. Except sodas, there's only two of those. Apparently. Yeah, and there's I, there's it's realistically four media companies. There is five, but it's only because when Fox got eaten up by Disney, it kept the news separate. <laughs> <laughs> news, heavy air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> so so that, that's our divergence. Let's get back to what Lennon was actually going to say. So Lennon says the small banks are being squeezed out 
uh, by the big banks, of which nine concentrate in their hands almost half the total deposit. He's talking in Berlin at this point. Yeah. Uh, but we have left out of account many important details. For instance, the transformation of numerous small banks practically into branches of big banks. Mm-hmm. Of this, we shall speak later on. Yes, we will. Uh, and then he's going to keep going on about the uh, German banks. and going to say, we have emphasized the reference uh, of the affiliated banks because this is one of the most important features of modern capitalist concentration. Large-scale enterprises, especially the banks, not only completely absorb small ones, but also join them to themselves, subordinate them, bring them into their own group or concern, to use a technical term, by having holdings oh. in their capital by purchasing or exchanging shares, by controlling them through the system of credits, et cetera, et cetera. The shareholders. It, think of the shareholders. It, it's, it's Guys, this is, of all the books we've read, and, and they're all, I mean, again, you saw it a lot. I mean, I mean, State and Rev was very much a high, high theory book because it, it's talking about a thing that has not yet existed to a large extent. Capital was explaining a system, but almost a system kind of foreign to us because that form of capitalism that we were critiquing is so far removed. It was the perfect one, and exactly. so far from so perfect. So we had we yeah. spent a lot of time trying to bring this forward and make it relevant and make it you know you know how it related to today. Holy shit, guys! This is just it just you could write this book right now. Like if you just did copy replace like all the all the numbers and all the words, like it, it's the exact same thing. Today, all of these things. If you're if you're listening to this, you know and, eight of these examples in your area, and you could spend a day and and yeah, I mean, see these examples. Just spend a day and decide. I want to look at the examples of this in reality today, and your day's gonna go quicker than you thought. I mean, yeah. it's gonna be wrapped up faster oh, than you yeah. thought. It's definitely not gonna take over a day, even if you live in a pretty barren place and you you know start off on the wrong foot. I mean, yeah. all this stuff's right in your face. Yeah. Uh, so Len is talking about this Professor Leafman who is writing about this. Professor Leafman has written on vo- a volume in his book of 500 pages describing modern holding and finance companies, unfortunately adding theoretical reflections of very poor quality to what is frequently partly digested raw material. So what results is this holding system leads in regard to concentration is best illustrated by the book written by the banker Reeser on the big German banks. But before examining his data, we will quote an example of a holding system. And he talks about Deutsche Bank. A bank that absolutely still exists. Uh, 100%. And it's it's not small, guys. It's, it's not, not small. small. It's not small. It's having, a, it's having a scandal quite recently, I believe, mm-hmm, over mm-hmm, something, something, mm-hmm. something, massive discrimination, something, 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 mm-hmm, I believe. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, allegedly. Weird, weird that a bank that survived through Nazi Germany <laughs> would have massive discrimination. Just odd. <laughs> odd how that would happen. Uh, so anyway, the Deutsche Bank Group is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, banking group. And this was at, at, the, at time the time in Germany, yeah. And uh, in Europe, it's still that may still. I think that is still yeah, the case. That wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, in order to trace the main threads which connect all the banks in this group, it is necessary to distinguish between holdings of first, second, and third degree. Now, this is a point where you really didn't in theory. You going, what the fuck do you mean third degree? Yeah, guys, this is where my brain starts turning off because this starts sounding like math real, real quick it's, here. It, but it's it's not. It's, it's pretty yeah, concrete. There's, yeah, there's yeah, some math. Okay, yeah, David's gonna say it's concrete. I'm gonna get very confused. This is like cousin tracing cousins to figure out how far down the tree I'm allowed to like make out with them at a family reunion. This it, is that's confusing. a very Missouri centric joke for that's a lot of audiences. Bullshit, Missouri centric. You're there, are people. Y'all know. You've only got that one cute cousin. We're all into it. Let's figure it out. 
I do not associate I with that last comment. I also do not. This is a work of satire. <laughs> well, not only for that point. For the last, the last forty-five seconds have been a work of satire. That's gonna say none of my family are listening to this shit. Who cares? <laughs> but if they do, your cousins are not gonna talk to you. No, anymore. no, it's a weird <laughs> looks at the family reunion. Some weird looks. There's probably half the people out there going, "What the fuck's a family reunion?" Oh, come on. <laughs> That can't be a localized thing. I've I've technically had one once and I didn't make it and I got a t-shirt anyway. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I I, I intentionally skip them quite frequently, but that's because they're very Baptist. And, <laughs> anyway, so what amounts to the same thing between dependence of the lesser establishments on the Deutsche Bank in the first, second, and third degree? Then we obtain the following picture. And so he's going to talk about the bank's holdings. And so he has a first degree where there's 17 banks uh, which hold stock. And 34 other banks, and um, 34 other banks having stock held is the second degree. And those second degree banks holding stock is the third degree. So it's a remove, remove, remove. So if your bank is the stockholder, the heavy stockholder, enough to influence another bank, and then that bank is a stockholder of another bank, you really control the third bank. You're just twice removed. Okay? And again, you know... No one is foreign to the thought of, oh, this company's got to listen to their stockholders. I mean, that's not breaking news to anyone No, here. but it is. Uh, but people don't realize how much the banks hold stock in yeah. other banks, other companies, every branch of industry. Because there's, there's three or four companies that like have all the other companies under them. But then how do those companies get money? Well, they're still controlled by who will lend them money, and that's a large another part of this too. So again, it's just it's another layer to this fun, corrupt, awful, yep. unsustainable puzzle. Yeah, but even even plain stock, even in the plain stock market, people think like, "Oh man, I got my 401k in there or, you know, the stock market's going up and down and and I've got stocks and it I think it's something like the top 1% of people own like 85% of stocks or 90% of stocks, something that ridiculous tracks. like that. That tracks. And uh, I'll have to look up that exact number at some point if we want to. But it's, We're not it's going to. That general idea. Get, get it right. The numbers are about right. Somebody correct us on Twitter. We didn't have to do corrections And an week. enormous amount of that top 1% are banks. Yeah. Like, not just some rich, not just Jeff Bezos scratching his ass and going, what else can I invest in? But banks actively yeah. taking stock in things. I mean, that's a really big deal. Uh, that kind of proves a lot of what Lennon's saying right. Uh, so Lennon continue. it's obvious that a bank which stands at the head of such of a group and which enters into agreement with a half a dozen other banks, only slightly smaller than itself, for the purpose of conducting big and profitable operations like a floating state loans, is no longer a mere intermediary, which was the old role of the banks, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, loan, send off the loans and the businesses could take off with their exploitation, but a combine of a handful of monopolists. So that's a big turn. That's a huge sentence. Yeah. The banks... There's the economy's already monopolizing. You're already exploited, and the banks become the real monopolies, the real exploiters. Well, and especially when you think you have this illusion that there is one, you know, there's four or five different. Well, there's these banks and these banks and these banks. But Mark, but Lenin was really pulling off the curtain and saying, no, 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 because really only three banks have all of that, and it yeah. looks like they don't. But at this point, they're making profit at every step of the at every every step of this. They're not just moving money around. They're actively actively you know engaging in this system the same way that that a a factory owner would absolutely and in spite of the uh, weirdly awkward satire we just rolled through. I do suddenly really like Nathan's analogy of a family tree. Ha <laughs> Can't cut it now. 
just from the tree shape. I mean, yeah. oh, I you know, obviously flip it. But the, the trunk is one bank, and then it's got the branches that are the other bank. By the time you get out in these, these leaves here and say, oh, yeah, look, this bank right here, they're the problem. Uh, their trunk's Bank of America. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean. It, yeah, it, it's it's pretty it's it, it's it's pretty wild. Yep. Uh, so Lennon continues a little lower. We see the rapid extension of a close network of canals which cover the whole country, centralizing all capital and all revenues, transforming thousands and thousands of scattered economic enterprises into a single national capitalist and then an international capitalist economic unit. Now that's a big deal because people talk about capitalist anarchy, right? I mean, there's there's an anarchy to capitalism where it can't solve problems. Um, and whenever you try to say, well, this is steering this and this and this, you usually are talking about class interest because there could be all of these rich people who control you all kind of simultaneously thinking and doing the same thing that's against the better interest of the world and your interest just because they all share that interest. Yeah. And uh, so you'll say, like, the companies do this and, and you'll sound conspiratorial. We'll have to get the conspiracy Riff from oh, capital out there oh, for people, yeah. oh, uh, yeah. but you'll sound uh, conspiratorial and people think you're paranoid and stuff. But you're just talking about class dynamics. Well, even beyond that, there's still some central control, and it's not just like wars and stuff, and a war department, and intelligence agencies, and the fact that you know movie scripts literally, you know, uh, go through uh, the military for having their critique. You know, if they're good enough propaganda so that they can get loan-free helicopters. And it's not just like, you know, the CIA and the FBI doing stuff. There's also some level to where the companies themselves, even if they seem like a small company, are directed by like a big head unit of banks because they're controlling everything. Yep. And they're spot. I mean, they sponsor things. I mean, the, the uh, I think Ken Burns uh, documentary that he just did on what you, on Vietnam. The Viet- oh, which, God, that one. And there are mixed. I keep getting mixed. Uh, there will be from, no mixing. Pet Ken Burns is bad. Uh, Ken, Bur- Ken Burns is objectively bad, but there are apparently the person he worked with was less bad. And okay. so there are. I, I mean, comrades, people that I I, I res- very much respect their opinion say don't take it as as some gospel truth. It has a lot of the standard Ken Burnsy stuff yeah. in it. But it also does a good job of talking about the Viet. It, it, it taught from the first person the Vietnamese perspective and, and and getting their stories out and giving them the 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 light that they deserve. Not not just squashing that to, to make America feel better, which is Ken Burns' specialty is is making America feel better about shit it absolutely shouldn't feel better about. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was absolutely sponsored and paid for by Bank of America. Oh yeah, I would. Yeah, I not, mean, it, not and, and by I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm almost one thousand percent positive that they 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 underwrote that movie, um, and and you've got to think that maybe you can spin that in some sort of way where it's 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 benevolent, but you you probably can't. Yeah, um, no. it's probably more difficult. I mean, the the thing of the banks, um, U.S. Trust, U.S. Trust is a division of of Bank of America, I believe, um, and and U.S. Trust at last check was the largest farmland owner in the country. It was also one of the largest single owners of, uh, of art in the country. That's a bank. Mm-hmm. How is a bank that... How do, you know, it, you start thinking of what... How does this... And it's because that is capital. 
Farmland is capital. That's a means of production. That's a oh, that's yeah, absolutely. A, that is absolutely you're a controlling thing. food. You know how you, powerful that is. And you get to determine who does and does not get access to that to yeah. a certain degree. It's 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 definitely a uh, yeah. Now you, I mean you're going to be motivated for profit, so you are still going to determine who does and doesn't get access to that. But it's not going to be totally like I don't like these people. They get to starve. Ideological, but you're going to make very craven decisions that benefit you that aren't to the benefit of everyone. And naturally, because the whole system's aligned against it, that's going shit extra hard on poor people and marginalized yep. people and, you know, indigenous people, black people, people in other countries, you know, that kind of thing. Just just because of, of the expediency is going to drive that. You and know? I mean, we still, and you, you want to see how powerful that industry is and how powerful the whole, just the whole financial industry is in general. Someone tweeted out today, and it was really a good example. Remember, like, a couple of years ago, or when we released the Panama Papers, that like definitively showed that like the entire one percent is absolutely committing financial crimes to keep their money hidden to not pay taxes, and we and have it documented and just went away. Nothing happened. It vanished. It vanished. Nothing just, happened. It was like a cool one day news story that some people you caught. like you you like we we've we spent an entire new, the, there's three different copies of the Mueller report that are New York Times bestsellers mm-hmm. that say nothing. That say absolutely nothing of substance, and yet we had a published document that 100% showed the level of financial corruption going on, and it just, poof. Where is Elizabeth Warren talking about that when she starts wanting to go on her fucking rampage and all this kind of stuff? That is arguably the biggest scandal in American history, and it didn't even make it. I mean, it made mainstream, but it was one of those like forgettable, like blip on the radar. Make mainstream oh, yeah. news. It Balloon even... Boy had a better staying power than yeah. the fucking Panama Papers. It's yeah. insanity. Yeah, and the, I mean, the, ar- again, arguably the the biggest scandal in American history at the peak of American media. I mean, media is way bigger than it ever was, and it. I mean, you would have noticed a sneeze and, more than that. And again, who, because every single per- again, you're not going to hear poli- sneeze, you're yeah. not going to hear politicians bringing that up and wanting to bring attention to it. You're not going to hear ma- media people bringing up bringing attention to it. No, because they're the kind of fucking people that took advantage of that system that that, that the Panama Papers was outlining. It's insanity. Absolutely. Well, and I'm sure when it broke for the one day on big news outlets, someone probably also like came up to some of the news people and was like, "Hey, our." Uh, our investors are in that, and they probably dressed it up where the people thought they were doing one thing, or like, you know, this this hasn't been proved through court and stuff. Let's not make too big of a story, you know. Let's not ruin people's lives or whatever they want to tell themselves. And circle never jerk. been there <laughs> because again, you know, a lot of these people on news and stuff, they really think they're doing the right thing. They don't even realize they're they're yeah. doing anything wrong. Yeah. They're totally buying in. But I guarantee you that there was people that came up. And said that because someone went, hey, our investors are on that paper. Our company owners on that, those Panama say, papers. In Fox News, it's just, hey, guys, uh, Rupert, Rupert, Rupert might, might have a, an interest in this. Yeah, I mean, so don't don't make too big of a story. And all of a sudden, it just... And it went away. Went away. And no one pushed it. Uh-huh. So then Lennon continues, the decentralization that Schultze governed it... <laughs> something German. <laughs> I'm putting a bookmark in case we want to edit that, but I really just want to leave Schultze Gavernet in there. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm not on my German pronunciation. We'll move on to the French ones okay. next. I'm sure we'll crush those. Yeah, I'm gonna park. Um, anyways, <laughs> goddamn, I almost read that in French just because you said that. I was like Schultze. <laughs> anyway, so the decentralization that this guy. <laughs> <laughs> We're dying today, guys. This is a bad day. This, this, we are punch drunk on 
hockey and actual alcohol and then energy drinks and chlorine. It's a bad day in the cave. Yeah. (laughs) The decentralization that that guy, as an exponent of the uh, modern bourgeoisie political economy, speaks of in this passage previously quoted, really means the subordination of an increasing number of formerly relatively independent or rather strictly local economic units to a single center. In reality, it is the centralization, the increase in that role, the importance and the power of monopolist giants. And again, we're going to go back to Bank of America. They have that small business Saturday thing. And there's always this generic, like, shop small business commercials you see out there. Is that Bank of America? I thought that was a whole, like... I'm pretty sure it's Bank of America, at least one of the years. Okay. The I don't know. I mean, it, it very well could. I mean, they all, it all blurs I mean, they, and they, they present it as, like, you know, we're the bank, you know, keeping these small businesses. Remember, mm. support the small business. Bank of America's got your back. We support small businesses. But it was, a, like, a g- generic small business commercial for Bank of America. I mean, they just telegraph like shop as small businesses. It helps Bank of America out. I, how do you telegraph that more? Yeah, it's 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 a little. It, it, it's just so hard to remove yourself from that. Yeah, I mean, this, in any meaningful way to have any sort of any time you step every every inch that that banking steps out of that original line that Mark that Lennon just used of there a transfer of intermediaries. The further you get away from that. It, it, it just starts going into the wait a minute. What are we actually doing here? Right. It's it's it's, and I don't want to say it's like money laundering when it's really, literally money. Yeah. But no. It's it's, it's, it's not, like a it's like a legal power laundering. It is. And you look at and, and people will people will all the time because I think it's relevant here. People will go. Well, what 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 would you what are you gonna do? You are not gonna have banks. You don't need bank anymore. You don't have banks. There there are legitimate ways to to do what banking is supposed to do without it being the way it is and the way Lenin describes it. You mm-hmm. can have look at LA where they had a on the ballot they had it on for a a a public bank. You can do the transfer of funds and and the consult and you know keeping funds together for for capital improvement projects and things like that without it being this yeah and remember I mean when they say what are you going to do you're not going to do anything else within capitalism that's the problem that's what Len is saying this is what capitalism does of course what are you going to do that's all capitalism can do and it's really really terrible and frightening you have to get rid of the capitalism yeah. that's what you're going to do exactly you have to have a socialist revolution and then you can have one big centralized bank that's subservient to the people. Yes. You know? Yes. And there are... And, and it there... runs... Has a completely different role. Yes. Exactly. And that's the big change is figuring out what is changing the role of what banking is supposed to be and getting rid of the, right. the profit incentive of it is... It, it right. Has... And that can be something where, like, it can run a five-year plan, like you in the USSR, or it can be a standard bank where there's a little more, you know, uh, markets like in, in China or what the, was under Gaddafi in Libya mm-hmm. where you could get, like, the no-interest home loans. It wasn't okay. out there to make a big profit, but... This is one of the few times I will throw out a question I have no idea what the answer to is and it's a little bit dangerous sometimes what how the f- does Cuba bank what is banking in Cuba Ooh, because uh, of all the of all this it is the most to be stable honest? it seems to be the most stable communist country that we have that and it's been around forever and hasn't and has gotten as close I think in in my opinion to, to what the ideal would be what what do they do for banking now uh well I I'm Actually, that's a good question. Okay, so I guys, don't know. <laughs> I will, will find... say this. I will say this. I have been, I am under the very strong impression that Cuba has a planned economy. Okay. 
Okay, so that would lean towards a centralized bank that regulates transactions, a la the Soviet uh, central bank. But that's not necessarily true. I don't actually okay. know how. Cuba if does anybody, it. this is this is a good time for corrections. At uh, uh, Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter, someone if, send us right out a Cuban Someone, someone awesome. who who definitely really is because there has to be someone who knows better than we do. How how the f does uh, Cuba do banking? Because I think that would be a really cool contrast and a a, a really interesting uh, uh, discussion yes, point. There. Yes, yes, so, it's May nineteenth, and we're asking about how Cuba does banking. Jose Marti would be very proud. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. What what was Lenin? Back to Lenin. Back to back to bank bad. Back to bank bad. Uh, so Lenin is a scattered capitalist or transformed into a single collective capitalist. When carrying the current accounts of a few capitalists, the banks, as it were, transact a purely technical and exclusively auxiliary operation. When, however, these operations grow to enormous dimensions, we find that a handful of monopoly monopolists control all the operations, both commercial and industrial, of capitalist society. They can, by means of their banking connections, run current accounts and transcend... Uh, transacting other financial operations, first ascertain exactly the position of the various capitalists. They know how the entire market's going. Then control them, influence them by restricting or enlarging, facilitating or hindering their credits. Hmm, I can't give you that loan. I can mm. give you this loan. If you're bigger, oh, well, then you technically, quote unquote, have more collateral. I can give you the loan to swallow up this other company, but not give that company the loan to actually succeed in what they're trying to do. You know, that kind of thing, right? Uh, and finally, they can entirely determine their fate, determine their income, deprive them of capital, or on the other hand, permit them to increase their capital rapidly and to enormous proportions, etc. Yep. Whatever is in the interest of the bank. So again, this kind of goes, and this is something that Marx didn't get into enough in volume. In and again, I'm not critiquing Marx here, but this no. is the kind of stuff you talk about when when people talk about capitalism as some sort of the market is just doing its thing, and the market determines it. Guys, it's not it's not anything to fit the the, the market says it happens. It happens. Right. Marx first said that's a problem, and then Lenin came in and said. And oh, by the way, that market is like five banks. That's not even, and that's not even how it <laughs> fucking works. Like this is this is not market determined. This is not people voting with their. This is so obscured under so many layers of bullshit and nonsense, and then controlled by. Oh, we don't want a planned economy. We can't have one person making those decisions. Fine, have five fucking banks make that decision for you. What's the fucking difference? Yeah, I mean, this is like, oh, we can't have like one person that we we vote on. We need two parties that are exactly the same, sending us through rigmarole every. Yeah. Four years, you know, it's not an actual solution yeah. to it. It just makes them feel better. Uh, but I mean, that's a good point, and it's a good point to bring up. Not only have we talked here about the corn lobby and ethanol and, and gasoline, yeah, right? yeah. So I mean, they'll find a use. Um, obviously, you know, people being uh, vegan has grown, and it's not like the cattle industry is falling apart by mm, any means. Yeah. Uh, but something else too, and something to, to there's two things to, to get from this. Uh, one, and this is the, like, you know, there's no ethical consumption in, in capitalism. doesn't mean you shouldn't strive for ethical consumption. doesn't mean you do nothing. Yeah. Um, don't use that to be nihilist about it. Right. Don't that, use it to be nihilist and let it run rampant. So I'm not saying, like, go out and be, eat a bunch of fish and, like, flip everyone the bird here. Okay. Um, probably not a good thing. 
But the fact of the matter is, is you know, we had this big straw ban thing, which is clearly just an attack on uh, people that are disabled, mm-hmm. right, uh, and people with disabilities. And the the metal straws, you know, aren't always appropriate. Uh, the paper straws, holy fuck, are those a problem? Those fall the hell apart. And there's still companies out there using paper straws to say, you know, we're the the greenest people, while their restaurant uses gobs of electricity to fire up a grill for just the right type of, of flame-grilled flavor when they could just, you know, use a stove and prep it a little better. Um, but or, uh, but anyway, the big, big thing that puts plastic into the ocean, I think it's 43% of plastic in the ocean, is from fishing nets. Really? Yeah, so like like lost fishing nets, stuff like that. The, the fishing um, industry is almost half of, of ocean litter. And wow. a lot of the rest of it isn't straws. It's the fact that we have no fucking where to, to put our trash and we just keep using, you know, plastic and all that. And, you know, again, there's, there's like, plastic bags can be a seriously bad thing, you know. And I, I know I personally have found uses to reuse plastic bags. The reason my kids, I've, I've tried to use paper bags, that kind of thing. Um, you know, damn you, Walmart. Uh, reason number 90,000, they made plastic bags. Ten times more of a thing than they ever were because they refused to do paper bags at Walmart. Um, but anyway, um, you know, you can cut back on all the plastic you want. The fishing industry is still putting out most of the litter in the ocean. And then people go, well, then the best thing is boycott fish. Don't don't eat fish. Again, you know, you're not going to get this group action to sink that whole industry. There's, no. It's just not going to happen. No. And so you buy less fish. Let's say you did get enough action and get a big fish boycott and the profits started going down. Well, these banks that are going to control fishing companies are going to find some uses for that fish somewhere yeah. for that to go. Uh-huh. All, of a sudden, not... all of a sudden, we're going back to whale oil, boys. It's whale that's, oil time. That's right. I mean, God, you're going you're gonna to see that, right? You'll see you know, fish oil, not just in like weird omega-3 oh, pills. You'll see fish oil in every goddamn thing out there. Yeah. I mean, they did it with soy. Yep. They'll, they'll find a way. Yes. Um, they will find a way so because things are really... Really planned by a few huge capitalists, and this is where it, it becomes. It's part of your, it, and it's planned. It's not planned around what's best or even what they want. It's planned around them making sure they stay the huge capitalists and grow into bigger ones. Exactly. That, that's the only thing it's planned around. And that's not that's saying, it. And that's not saying boycott is not like. Yeah, it's like, not saying boycott is BDS, useful. For instance, BDS is it absolutely support that in all yeah. of the capacities you can. Yeah, and again, it's not saying like take a nihilistic, you know, attitude no. and eat more fish or don't even care and don't come back and fish Don't consider your praxis these sort of bougie, liberal, I'm going gr- Look at what the core... You're, you're just fighting off the little distractions they give you on the side. Look at the root of all of these and mm-hmm. attack that. Every single time, attack it at that. Don't attack it at, at, at the little fringes yeah. where it's you're, not going to make a difference. Yeah, I mean, what's really bad is you're not even just fighting the sy- symptom instead of the cause. Because sometimes that could be useful and still save lives. Yes. You're you're fighting in the direction of the symptom. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, not fighting even fighting adjacent. The you're fighting system adjacent. Symptom adjacent. You're 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 just saying that the symptom's bad and you don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, just, it's not come on. It's not it's not good. Yeah. Uh Selena's gonna go on, and of course, while this struggle for hegemony 
goes on the two banks more and more frequently conclude agreements of an increasingly durable character with each other. This development of banking leads specialists in the study of banking questions who regard economic questions from the standpoint which does not in the least exceed the bounds of the most moderate and cautious bourgeoisie reformism to the following conclusions. And this is going to talk about the German review, uh, Die Bank. And and guys, I'm, I'm aware it's written in German. I'm aware it's it's probably like the bank or something like that <laughs> in German. Bank it has to good. mean the bank. But every single time we reference die bank, oh god, it's just so good. It's so goddamn good. It's like their Wall Street Journal, and it's just die bank. And it's like, oh, ah, the Germans might have a thing going on here. <laughs> Okay, so in the quoted text, other banks will follow its example, and in time, the 300 men who today govern Germany economically will gradually be reduced to 50, 25, or still fewer. It cannot be expected this new move towards concentration will be confined to banking. The close relations that exist between certain banks naturally involve the bringing together of the manufacturing combines which they patronize. One fine morning, we shall wake up in surprise to see nothing but trust before our eyes and to find ourselves placed with the necessity of substituting state monopolies for private monopolies. However, we have nothing to reproach ourselves with except having allowed things to follow their own course, slightly accelerated by the manipulation of stocks. That was die bank. That was, guys, that is the equivalent of the Wall Street Journal. Going, oh my God, we're going to have just a few, a fewer and fewer people ruling over us. We're going to have these monopolies, you know, that will take over. And, and, And I love this line. However, we have nothing to reproach ourselves with. We can't, we won't even blame ourselves. Yeah. We just allowed things to follow the course they did. I, the stocks just manipulated it. No one could help it. That's the, the, the German Wall Street Journal saying that. Yep. It's so on its face that Marx is right, that Lenin's right, and that this small cabal of people are fucking ruling over everything. Uh, so then Lenin continues, this is a very good example of the impotence of bourgeoisie germ- journalism, which differs from bourgeoisie science, only in that the latter is less sincere and strives to obscure essential things to conceal the wood by trees. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's a good phrase. That's that, a good phrase. That's a good phrase, yes. Uh, to be surprised at the results of concentration, to reproach the government of capitalist Germany or capitalist society, which he says is what they meant with ourselves. Uh, to fear that the introduction of stocks and shares might hasten concentration as the German cartel specialists. Uh, yeah, go. Yeah, have fun. <laughs> Enjoy. Chertsky. <laughs> you know what? We'll count it. Fears the Russian the, judge gives you a nine. We'll call okay. it a day. Fears the American trust and prefers the German cartels on the grounds they do not like. Like the trust, hasten technical economic progress to an excessive degree. Is it not impotence? 
It's, it's and that is such. It, I mean, I don't know how many times. I love how he calls it impotence because mm-hmm. I don't know how many times you'll hear like this social democrat, you know, bullshit out there. Like, oh, we just need to, you know, roll back this reform. It's like that's the best you can do. That's your op- that's yeah. your that's your fix. That's Are you fucking kidding me. It's it's so. It, you're just starting from such a conceited point that it's it's like what why are you even bothering like, yeah. what what motivates you to want to do this other yeah than we're, just... we're gonna stop sending out foot soldiers to rape and murder people we're just gonna murder them by drones the rape's gone it's all good that's your fix you know what I mean it's it's that kind of thing like what the that's not even any better what the fuck uh, so then Len is gonna continue but facts remain facts. There are no trusts in Germany. There are only cartels. But Germany is governed by not more than 300 magnets, and the number of these is constantly diminishing. At all events, banks in all capitalist countries, no matter what the law in regard to them may be, accelerate the process of concentration of capital and the formation of monopolies. The banking system, Marx wrote a half a century ago in Capital. Now he's finally referring well, to Marx. I was Marx. about to say. Uh, Presents indeed the form of universal bookkeeping and of distribution of means of productions on a social scale, but only the form. And then Lennon says, the figures we've quoted on the development of bank capital and the increase in the number of branches of offices of the biggest bank, the increase in the numbers of their accounts, etc., present a concrete picture of this universal bookkeeping of the whole capitalist class. And not only the capitalists for the banks collect, even though temporarily all kinds of financial revenues of small businessmen, office clerks, and a small upper stratum of working class. It is universal distribution of the means of production that from the formal uh, formal point of view grows out of the development of modern banks, the most important of which, numbering from three to six in France, from six to eight in Germany, control billions and billions. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and skip down. Some I was about to say, there is some s- skipping. Yeah, there's some... There's some uh, German and France, again, back to the concrete examples. and That are completely irrelevant and not useful for what uh, we're trying to do. It's just a lot of statistics uh-huh. that we don't need. So Lenin's going to say, The change from the old type of capitalism in which free competition predominated to the new capitalism in which monopoly reigns is expressed, among other things, by a decrease in the importance of the stock exchange. Now, that's interesting because you... Stock's still a pretty big deal. You would think that's still a big deal, but it is definitely... And, but and, we did go from Great recession, great Depression to Great Recession with a stock bomb. We, we did. We did. Mm-hmm. So let's get back to Die Bank. Yes. So the German Review, Die Bank. Oh, I love it. Wrote, for a long time now, the stock exchange has ceased to be the indispensable intermediary of circulation that was formerly when the banks were not yet able to place with their clients the greater part of their issues. Every bank has a stock exchange, and the bigger the bank and the more successful the concentration of banking is, the truer this modern proverb becomes. So essentially, it used to be if you wanted to get your, your random venture off the ground to go you know, explore the Americas, you'd have to go and form a joint, you know, go to the stock exchange and say, please, people, buy stocks in my company so that I can go you know, sell people on the, the dream of Poirier. Please, please, <laughs> please, please, please. <laughs> Throw back to Gregor McGregor. Um, but now, now, once the banks had become such a – get so much capital at their disposal, you, you, that necessity no longer existed. You didn't no, yeah. need it. They just, they'll just loan it out. And you see that now. You see that now. Uber, when, you, when, you look at, when you look at companies now – do they go to the stock market to build their company and then and then go from? No, they go to the stock market 
five years after they've been a company and they're already insanely large or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they go and do the stock exchange. It's the complete inverse of what it was originally designed to be. Mm -hmm. Look, Uber and Lyft and WeWork and all these places doing IPOs right now. It's again, all of these companies, all of these companies that are, it, it is the most inverse capitalist thing I could ever think of. It's a bunch of companies starting up without going to a stock exchange, losing money mm-hmm. at, at insane, at historically insane rates, and then going to the stock market and everyone giving them money for something. I don't, I, it, it makes absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. none. It's great. It's great. It's, it is, it is fucking Looney Tunes. <laughs> so we're going to skip that a little more. And uh, go down to the middle of some of these examples. Lennon's going to like start hitting examples, examples. And uh, we're going to go on Lennon. Uh, in other words, old capitalism, capitalism, free competition, and its indispensable regulator, the stock exchange, are passing away. Now, this might be one of those things kind of like Marx with uh, manufacturing versus um, – Versus like sweatshops. Yeah, yeah. Him not recognizing that that the way it is done mm-hmm. right now is not the way it's going to go infinitely at infinity. Right, because like you said, stock exchange just took on a different character, and this was after Lenin wrote this. The stock exchange took on that other character. You mm-hmm. know, um, I mean, even the Great Depression was after this, I believe. When it, that was like the thirties. Yeah, yeah. Great yeah, Depression so was absolutely after that. Was after Lenin died. <laughs> yeah. So um, don't remind us. So you know, I mean, it's it, things have taken on a different character, uh, and America was a little earlier in this arc anyway. Um, now it's got total hegemony on the arc. Uh, but, you know, this is something where that sentence just just realizes kind of like Marx thinking everything's going to go to the factory model. Um, a new capitalism succeeding it, which bears obvious features of something transitory, which is a mixture of free competition and monopoly. The question naturally arises to what is this new transitory capitalism leading? But the bourgeoisie scholars are afraid to raise this question. And then a bourgeoisie scholar says, 30 years ago, employers freely competed against one another, performed nine-tenths of the economic work, which is outside the sphere of manual labor. At the present time, nine-tenths of this brain work is performed by officials. Banking is the forefront of this evolution. You go to a bank with your business plan. You get financial advice. They have commercials about that. Come come into the bank and we'll help your business take off. We'll show you the direction you need to go. Right? I mean, before the, again, there's all these things you could just see in ads yeah. that Lennon talks about here. He was so goddamn right, even if he thought the stock market was going to vanish and was a little wrong there. He was so goddamn right. Um, And so Lennon continues on, a few banks, which as a result of the process of concentration, remain at the head of all capitalist economy, there is to be naturally observed an increasingly marked tendency towards monopolist agreements, towards a bank trust. In America, there are not nine, but two big banks, those of the billionaires Rockefeller and Morgan. Yeah, yeah. One of those... One of those should sound familiar. Yes. Because Morgan Stanley and J.P. Morgan and J.P. Morgan Chase, it all, it all essentially, that what that one held. Yeah. Rockefeller's Rockefeller. Bank? What was Rockefeller's Bank? Um, I, I think it's know. currently U.S. Bank, but I think it's no. one of those that broke broke apart to pieces. I don't know. You're uh, at... It, it would make it would make sense. Uh, it got antitrusted up. That That's what I was going to say, is it may have gotten yeah. hit with the... Uh, Rockefeller Bank. No, no, Chase. They ah. were Chase. Ah, there it is. That's so J.P. Morgan Chase is all one bank Morgan now. Is, is literally the two banks got together. <laughs> we came up with a couple extras apparently in the hundred years since, but yeah, no Rockefeller. Yes, uh, Standard Oil. The family is known for its long association with and control of Chase Manhattan Bank. Yeah. So yeah, 
There you go. It all leads to concentration, guys. There you go. Long enough timeline, it all comes together. There you go. Um, Let's see. Billionaires rock Morgan Morgan for such a capital of 11 billion marks. It's interesting that for just such a raging narcissist as Rockefeller that that bank is not named after him in some capacity. You know, I know. know. It's just... Standard Oil, he kept his name out of a lot of a lot of stuff. That shady fucker. You know, yeah, look up more stuff he did. Yeah, I mean he's he's a lot, a lot like Trump, but there was no presidency and everything wasn't named Rockefeller. Like everything Trump does is named Trump. Oh my God! If you look at a picture of these guys, it is the most like. It, the, the, tell me, this wanna... isn't a haunting tree? I mean that. that oh is, God! And it is literally the crypt keeper and his two crypt cousins. Oh like, God! Okay. I don't know what it's a picture of, but it's absolutely terrifying. Oh, oh my God, guys! Don't don't Google Rockefeller Bank because the first thing that comes up is like Jerry Jones, Strom Thurmond, and Al Davis's bastard childs, and it's just it's just bad. Are these people? I don't know. I must I must know. It's it's all consuming now. But holy shit! I don't I don't I don't think it makes it clear. It's gotta be a Rockefeller of some sort, or maybe it's Mr. Chase. I don't know. Um, we'll research Daniel, Daniel Roberts, Marshall Schwartz, and Daniel. Da- no, those are other directors. I don't fucking know. Get this thing out of my face. I don't, I don't know, know why they, they came up. They were just a thing. It That's was, those. Those are just hellmen. Those are just. Uh, they are. They uh, are absolutely hellmen. One of them has one of those fucking button hats. He does, and he looks like what a would bowler. Happen That's what I if think. If Michael Caine aged poorly for the next it's, 50 years. It is Michael Caine. If Michael Caine just aged poorly and had a weird relationship with Nelson Farage, like, oh my it, God. It's, 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 let's see, an uglier, older, more Americanized version of George Soros, which is weird because Soros is American. That's, that's accurate. It's the worst rendition of Michael Caine in a bowler hat. And... That's Strom Thurmond in the middle, I think. I think it might be Strom. Is that? Okay. No, it's not for sure, but it looks exactly like him. Okay. No, I would believe that because otherwise it it looked like a, a Q-tip painted up like Jimmy Carter. That's that's also possible. That's yeah. also possible. <laughs> it's just bad. All old white people kind of sink into the same same with, face with sunspots. Out. Yeah, yeah. With sunspots. So back to Lennon. I don't know why the hell you show me whatever that picture. Is. I don't either. Back to Lennon. Says again, the final word in the development of banks is monopoly. The close ties that exist between banks and industry are the very things that bring out most strikingly strikingly the new role of banks. When a bank discounts a bill for an industrial firm, opens a current account for it, these operations are taken separately, do not in the least diminish the independence of the industrial firm, and the bank plays no other part than that of a modest intermediary. But when such operations are multiplied and become continuous, then when the bank collects in its own hands an enormous amount of capital, when they're running a current account for the firm, the question enables the bank, and this is what happens, to become better informed of the economic position of the client, then the result is that the industrial capital becomes more completely dependent on the bank. So all of a sudden the bank knows all of your operations because you're constantly getting loans, you're constantly having accounts open. And because of that, I mean, the bank has interest in that interest coming in, so they're going to, you know, and we'll get to that in a minute where they, they you know, drop some some people on your boards and whatnot. Yeah. Um, Parallel to this process, there is being developed a very close personal union between the banks and the biggest industrial and commercial enterprises. We just talked about Rockefeller. Oh, I mean, yeah. 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 Uh, the fusing of one with another through the acquisition of shares, though the appointment of bank directors on the boards of industrial and commercial enterprises, and vice versa. 
Uh, we're going to skip down a little bit and say the personal union. Oh, fuck. I'm definitely on a list now. I tried to figure out who those guys were, and I definitely ended up on a page that was uh, definitely accusing us of something, something Zionist conspiracy. I'm fucked, oh, guys. I'm, I'm on a weird list now. Okay. Yeah, I just always remember it, too, when you talk about banks that uh, there are also Nazis out there who, they live in Germany, there was an obvious bank cartel running things, the Germans didn't want to actually overthrow the bank cartel because Nazis like big money, they were very right wing, uh, so they just pointed at everything banks did and said, it's the Jews. And uh, so now anytime you talk about banks, you're correctly assessing the situation in the world, but you have to be very, very careful of anti-Semitic people coming in yeah. and translating using bank Using banker and banking and all that as some sort of weird dog whistle for... Yeah, yeah. Especially when they point out uh, specifically the, the Jewish... All of a sudden, I can't think of the, the one Wall Street bank that they always cite... Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs. They always cite Goldman Sachs instead of J.P. Morgan Chase or Bank of America or Citibank City or any of that. It's always Goldman Sachs, you know. Instead of like all the millionaires, like you know Soros and Coke and everyone, it's just Soros, you know. It's I mean, Soros. There, 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 there's always these very specific. You know that happen to be Jewish entities that you point out. That's Nazi conspiracy bullshit. Anti-Semitic. It was nonsense. very strange though, because on that page before I ran, I, I clicked off like it was horror porn or something. Uh, it was a picture of George Soros and Henry Kissinger right next to each other, and I want to know. Part yeah. of me really wants to know what link they were trying to draw there. I don't know, but I can't look back in that Pandora's box. I can't no, open it back up. No, no burn that box. I, this is the Ark of the Covenant. I already partially melted my face off. I want to keep the rest <laughs> of it intact. So moving on to Lennon, the personal union between the banks and industry is completed by the personal union between both and the state. And then he's going to go to another one of his bourgeoisie quotes. Uh, Seats on the supervisory board are freely offered to persons of title, also ex-civil servants who are able to do a great deal to facilitate relations with the authorities. And it has two exclamation points in Lennon's edit of the quote after facilitate. Yeah. And so Lennon's going to analyze the quote and say, generally, there's a member of parliament or a Berlin city councilor on the supervisory board of a big bank. The building, so to speak, of the great capitalist monopolies is therefore going to be going full steam ahead by all natural and supernatural ways. A sort of division of labor among some hundreds of kings of finance who now reign over modern capitalist society being systematically developed. Yeah, and that's that's we're going to get to that more in chapter three, so I don't want to harp on it too much now. But God Dang, that is such a, I mean, Lenin, again, one, it, time is a flat circle. A Len, hundred years ago, Lenin talking about, oh, well, it was it was easy to, you, you know, you would jump from this cushy job and, and you would jump for this job and, uh, you know, whatchamafucking, in, in, the, in the government to this, all of a sudden you have this just nice job at the big bank. It's weird how that happened and your, your insight into how to facilitate the, God, it just, you could not be more clear about yeah. what is going and on. And right now, I mean, you think about the ruling class, they dance between lobbying, high up, you know, general staff. Lobbying is um, an evolution of this that Lenin I don't even think was talking about. Like, we we added a new fun third thing you can bounce between. It's not just head of the bank and then government. Now you can add lobbying for a fun menage a trois. Well, and now there's think tanks, too. Oh, I forgot about think tanks. Yes. So now they bounce between boards of directors, the government, high generalships, the military, lobbying, and, um, and think tanks. And they just bounce back and forth between all those oh, little roles all the time. And then all of a sudden, they just the one that they get to be an expert in and not bias. And all of a sudden, they're just former general being interviewed uh, about about what Venezuela is doing wrong on CNN. And no one no one points out that they're a lobbyist for, like, Northrop government. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, God 
<laughs> Oliver North, head of the NRA. <laughs> the NRA. Let, it, just, let it go, guys. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Lenin's going to go back to another quote. It says, accompanying this widening of sphere of activity of certain big industrialists, sharing in management of the banks, and together with the allocation of provincial, provincial man- managers to definite industrial regions, there's a growth of specialization among directors of great big banks. Generally speaking, the specialization is only conceivable when banking is carried on a larger scale, and particularly when it has widespread connections with industry. This division of labor proceeds along two lines. On the one hand, relations with the industry as a whole are entrusted to one manager and as his special function. On the other, each director assumes a supervision of several isolated enterprises or enterprises with their allied interests in the same branch of industry, sitting on their boards of directors. Capitalism has reached the stage of organized control of individual enterprises, Lenin adds to the quote. Yeah. Uh, now the next is going to go on about boards of directors in Germany, yeah. and we don't have to read that whole damn quote about because oh, it, it's all like French and German. This whole chapter again. French this is and just hammering home. We German. All of the examples he's given, we're giving with our again. When you talk about a guy, uh, what's his face? Munchen. Steve, the, that little fucking rat face fuck that runs uh, the Treasury Department right now. Oh, yeah. That yeah. little fucker um, who went from running a major bank that absolutely ran the fucking mortgage crisis right into the ground to head of the Treasury. Head of the fucking Treasury. Like, yeah. And, and we're supposed to believe that that person is able to be completely unbiased in their operations mm-hmm. and how they do that. Mm-hmm. What's his, what's but, his but that But that bank experience gives them expertise. Fuck. They're unbiased. Fucking. But they have expertise. Fucking goddamn it. Just, and that's then, how all the news interviews his, are. That's how all the, the government spaces are. It's expertise. They know, they know, they know the field. It's expertise. The Trump administration is like the purest form of this. It's just so blatant about like where they normally try and cover it. Like, who was the fucking, uh, uh, what was it, the Exxon head that was the Secretary of State? Oh, yeah. That was the fucking Secretary oh. of State for a hot second, like, when all that went down, it's like, come the fuck on! Like, at least pretend you're not doing this! (laughs) You're not even trying at this point! (laughs) It was so bad. I am am shocked! I am shocked that the CEO of Boeing isn't, like, the Secretary of Defense at this point. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And if he he might be, for all I fucking know. They just changed out so fast. They they seem to be changed. They changed fucking... I mean, their lineup is... If he's not right now, he will be by this time next year. It's fucking insanity. And people say, oh, well, that's just a dig on Trump. No. No! This has happened forever. Every administration's done it. Trump's just far more funny and blatant about it. Right, right. If If the CEO of Boeing is not the Secretary of Defense under Trump in a year and some someone else gets elected that's a Democrat somehow. I don't think that's going to happen because no. they're being dumbasses God, again. No, they're for hot. But let's say that happens. Then we're just talking about in two years, one of the top management board of director guys that's not a CEO for Boeing becomes the Secretary of Defense. A for, lobby, if know, Joe Biden gets elected, it's a, a lobbyist. lobbyist for Raytheon instead of the CEO of Boeing. Yeah, I mean, It's like, just <laughs> one extra layer of obfuscation. It's, it's all it is. It's all it it's ever all it is. is. It's all it ever is. Uh, but I do want to talk about how they talked about these things in two forms because one thing they pointed out uh, you know, the division of labor proceeds along two lines. On one hand, relations with an industry as a whole are entrusted to one manager and a special function. So this guy is like, and, and I guess you know this is the bank, you're the accounts manager for this, you know, blah, blah, blah company, right? Yeah, yeah. I have no I have no earthly idea how any of this would look. I mean, I'm not I'm not a banking expert by any stretch of the imagination. No, but I mean, you're, there, there are companies that have an accounts manager at a bank. Yeah, 
yeah, personal yeah, account. Yeah, okay. I would imagine I imagine you've got someone that's, you know, oh, I do the this and that account or I do the that and that account. Yeah. And I think what, even what, more now they've specialized. They 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 spun those off into like their own departments. Like mm-hmm. we're the we're the you know global international business group department. Like where it's just that they're not even part of the bank anymore. They just do their own fucking thing. Right. And what they do is they play themselves off as this expert again. They always bias is always played off as expertise in the ruling class. Always. If you hear ex, uh, expertise in the ruling class, bias. Just immediately realize it's bias. But. Um, they're, they're playoff these experts that are just specialized to help you get your business up and going. They're your boss from the bank is what yeah. they are. That, that's what they yep. are. That's what they do. That's what they are. Yep. They tell you, we can do this for you, which means you need to do this or you're going to go bankrupt. Yep. <laughs> that's what it, it is. It's what it always is. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, highlight. You no, know, hey, are the three or four other businesses that we work with that are tangential to yours that we have accounts with. You should absolutely use these three people as your suppliers. Wink, yeah. wink, nudge, nudge, nudge. Right, right. And if you do, maybe we can give you this loan and that loan and that loan. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so then going on a little later, we're going to skip again some more of these, these bourgeoisie quotes because uh, there's good useful information, but it just doesn't, it doesn't add enough Lenin is doing the, the exact same He's thing that doing Marx early did. Mar- doing early capital Early Marx. Marx. Pound it over and over and Pound over it. in their own words until they choke on it. Yeah, yeah. But nobody really wants to hear that for an hour and a half. Yeah, but Lenin at one point a little later will go, as a matter of fact, this is small capital's old complaint about being oppressed by big capital. But in this case, it was a whole syndicate that fell into the uh, category of small capital. The old <laughs> struggle between big and small capital is being resumed on a new and higher stage of development. And it stands to reason that undertakings financed by big Big banks handling billions can accelerate technical progress in a way that cannot simply be compared with the past. The banks, for example, set up a special technical research societies and only friendly industrial enterprises benefit from their work. So they're literally like forcing that's, centralization by by innovating for you. And that's a weird that's a weird concept that I never would have even thought about as I mean, you just don't. I'm sure it's. I, I'm sure they do a better job of hiding it nowadays. But you just, just the concept to me that the bank does specialized technical research that they then share with friendly and like that concept well, is bizarre to well, me. Well, and but it's not like there's a bank science scientist employee. They're talking about the bank has the money to pay someone to do this research. They're and funding. For it. They're, they're essentially funding. funding. Yeah. Okay. okay. They're being banks, but they're funding this research <laughs> for you. Because they want you to centralize, because they have this relationship with you where they control you from these constant transactions, and they want to make sure that capital's flowing. And again, you know, this is how they become the tree. They're not sitting there going, hmm, you know, you'll hear banks say, you know, we need to get into this industry, right? Because they want to control it. But they're not sitting there going, huh, I want to start growing oranges. They're sitting there going, I want to have a relationship with a company that grows oranges, this relationship I'm going to make a lot of money off of, and I'm going to need some say in that. And we're going to try to help this company that we're invested in succeed because we want to make sure our investment is kicking back. You know, again, investment is power, just like just like expertise is bias. You have to decode these things. Yeah. Um, and so a little lower, uh, Lenin's going to go on and say, the old form of capitalism has had its day. The new form represents a transition towards something. It is hopeless, of course, to seek firm principles or a concrete aim for the purpose of reconciling monopoly with free competition. The admission of such practical men has quite different ring from the official praises and charms of the organized capitalist sung by its apologists. At precise- say his name. Say his name. Say the apologist's name. She'll... <laughs> Schultz, Gavrinitz. <laughs> no, no. 
<laughs> Leafman and similar oh, theoreticians. Man, ah, just it fucking never gets old, guys. Sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna make my robot voice say it here in a minute. The to first, see what the, robot the first voice half says. looks like Charles M. Schultz's last name. Uh huh. And with then, an E on the end. And then there's I'm familiar with an umlaut, but it's like an A, so I don't know, like an omelot. I don't know what the hell that letter is. It's got the dots like an umlaut, and so like governance, gaver. I mean, an umlaut means a long U, so maybe it's gavernitz. I don't know. It's fucking... <laughs> Long story short, it's a funny name and it's we enjoy a... saying it. Yeah. I will, I, I don't enjoy saying it. You enjoy making me say it. <laughs> You'll get to do it to me next round. Okay. At precisely what period was the new activity of the Big Bangs finally established? Uh, Jidels gives us a fairly exact answer to this important question. And so Jidels quote, The ties between industrial enterprises and their new... Con- boop, boop, I overscrolled. Bookmarked. Ah! <laughs> Hold on. While we're still while we're still bookmarked. <laughs> okay, so the Jidels quote, the ties between industrial enterprises and their new content, their new forms, the new organs, namely the big banks, which are organized on both centralized and a decentralized basis, were scarcely characterized were a scarcely characterized economic phenomenon before 1890. In one sense, indeed, this initial date may be advanced to the year 1897. Of course, there was a big market crash then. Uh That is cited a lot in his book. Uh, When the important mergers took place, and when for the first time the new form of decentralized organization was introduced to suit the industrial policy of the banks. The starting point could perhaps be placed at an even later date, for it was only the crisis of 1900 that enormously accelerated and intensified the process of concentration of industry and banking. Wait, 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 wait. So you're saying during times of crisis, there's a consolidation of finance and banking? Just, just uh, It couldn't have happened again other than that 1900, though, right? No, yeah. That no never way. Happened. Never. Never. never okay. Happened. okay. And, and, I mean, could you imagine if it happened in the United States? Oh, I'd be surprised. Weird. Yeah, yeah. What? I... I if only, if only the banks were so big, <laughs> so big that the government admitted that it couldn't let them fail. Uh, if only they, if that only was... there were some parts of this free flowing market that didn't have to play by those rules. Didn't have to play. Those... Fuck it. <laughs> Just <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> so I did. I concentrated the. Pro- industry of banking consolidated that process more than it ever transformed a connection with the industry in the monopoly of the big banks and made this connection taken individually much closer and more active. Then Lenin picks up. Thus, the beginning of the 20th century marks a turning point at which the old capitalism gave way to the new, at which the domination of capital in general made way for the domination of finance capital. If you didn't catch at the end of chapter one, he ends these chapters with these brilliant transition statements. So get ready for a finance capital chapter. But for today, for this week, for this week, we we be done. We be done. That is chapter we, two. We have done it. Uh, I will. I will mention. Um, I will mention it is May 19th. I will mention that David needs to stop doing things on the recording table that are making loud bleeps <sighs> on the fucking waveform. I'm going to mention that. Sorry. We're going to get better at this, guys. Sorry, sorry, God sorry. God dang it. The next time you hear us talk to you, by the way, guys, uh, the, the the by the time you're hearing this, the the Blues might be in the Stanley Cup. And hope, the, hope, the, hope, the level of fucking... Oh, my God. The level of insanity that will proceed from this podcast, there will be... There this will, will be a blue pro- podcast with Lennon's words peppered in. It, it's going to get real hairy for a while, so just bear... We're getting enough in the tank that if they do win the cup and I go on the necessitated bender that that entails, where I literally 
become a roving hooligan in Mark on down on Market Street for a week. Uh, just just be ready, okay? It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be a thing. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, um, it is May nineteenth. We're recording this, and I don't want to make too much of a habit of always like pointing out every birthday and everything, because uh, you'll never keep up with that. Uh, also, we- don't be as depressing this time. God damn it! I don't want to be sad. <laughs> uh, that said. Um, we've just had a run of, of coincidental days. Since we're recording on May 19th, uh, it is a very, very important birthday for multiple activists. Uh, it Well, in multiple activists. Multiple revolutionaries. Let's not whittle them just down to activists. Uh, Malcolm X. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. fuck yeah, Malcolm. Uh, ha- happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, happy birthday Malcolm X. Uh, Ho Chi Minh. Holy shit. You're not kidding. This yeah. is a fucking dream. This is my fucking starting five right here. And Lorraine Hansberry. I'm really bad. I don't know who that is. I'm a bad Oh, person. okay. So Lorraine Hansberry is the first female author, and she was black, and she was a, a pan-Africanist, a pan-Africanist, okay. uh, very um, active, you know, uh, loud activist about a lot of things. Um, she's the first female author to have her, uh, to write for a play on Broadway. Oh, and really? And it was, I think, like, was it Shriveled, A Raisin in the Sun? Uh, I think it was called A Raisin in the Sun. And I mean, a Raisin was... in the Sun is a very famous play. I just don't... Yeah, I okay. think Oprah was in it. Okay. So it was A Raisin in the Sun, and it was A Raisin in the Sun based on the Langston Hughes poem Yeah. about... Was it Harlem was the Langston Hughes po- poem? Oh, um, guys. Hey, welcome to a fun, 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 exciting preview for uh, what it, what we're terrified of happening in the next book. Uh, uh, so if you haven't gotten the hint right now, we need some help with our, uh, our pan-Africanist, uh, grounding. Uh, if there is anybody who is listening that would like to come on and, uh, and be a guest to kind of help us when we get ready to get into Fanon, because Nathan can do all the research he wants, but I am a cishet white boy and I am not going to do that fucking movement justice and I'm going to feel very uncomfortable. So if somebody could get in here and give me a hand, goddammit, I would very much appreciate it. Hit us up. Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we're 110% set on doing Fanon. Yeah, I mean, we're doing Fanon one way or another. It's either you get a good version of Fanon or, or we have to try. Try. But damn it, we'll try. I'm still battling. I hope we get a Pan-Africanist to, to, to work with us and help us out here. But if we don't, I'm still uh, fighting the battle of just move it back one book and shoehorn in some Stalin or some Mao or something. No! no Nathan does not like yeah, that. No, no, I like Mao, but here's the problem. I, I can't do I can't talk about Pan-Africanism, but I'm going to fucking be able to talk about Mao? I don't fucking fair, exactly have a Chinese fair. background either. Fair, fair. I, I kind of need to know... Doing Fair. doing communism with Chinese characteristics. I don't Fair. exactly have have the grounding there, but there. So again, uh, happy birthday, Lorraine Hansberry. Happy birthday, Lorraine. Happy birthday, Ho Chi, Ho Chi Minh. Minh. God damn it, and, yes. Let's read some Ho Chi Minh next. And and oh, that would yeah, okay. Um, and happy birthday, Malcolm X. And yep. um, I I also want to talk about because there's a it, anytime Malcolm X comes up, it reminds me to say something about. The How Denzel gun. was robbed of that Oscar? No, no, no. The the dynamics of the uh, talk about guns in this country and how it's mm. the supposed left is yeah give all your guns to the people no. that rule all of us and the right is no no we want more guns yeah. okay um and so I in a lot of times 
liberals especially, they'll go like, oh, ho, 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 the, you know, the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. But at some point, that's right. It's not stupid. And the liberals that laugh at that think that way or they wouldn't want the cops to have the guns. They're just dumb enough to think the cops are the good, good guys. guys. Uh, the problem with the right being dumb is they want to put, you know, their idea of good guy is wrong. Yeah. It's white supremacist douchebag with a hero complex who's going to murder someone. Okay. It's not a group of people acting in their own defense. Correct. Um, you know, hence, again, it, a good guy with a gun. And so it brings me to a Malcolm quote, and I want to oh. bring up this Malcolm quote. And and anytime someone tries to, to, to make fun of the right wing, make fun of the right wingers. They're, they're, they're assholes, and they're saying it for the wrong <laughs> make reason. Make fun of them for all the right reasons. But, just... but don't don't go, oh, <laughs> with this quote, okay, because because they, they basically ripped off Malcolm to make it stupider sounding and white supremacist an excuse to just promote murder and let kids die and turn the other cheek, okay? So I get why you hate when they say that stuff, but the Malcolm quote, and it's a very good quote that we should internalize. A man with a rifle or a club can only be stopped by a person who defends himself with a rifle or a club. That's equality. If you have a dog, I must have a dog. If you have a rifle, I must have a rifle. If you have a club, I must have a club. And again, he's talking directly about cops, He's talking about cops. I mean, all three of those are, are absolutely directed at cops. <laughs> He's talking about cops and, and how, you know, and we talked about the, the armed guard of, of the, the ruling class and yeah. state and revolution. You know, police are this special class that just get to go around and shove violence into communities unmitigated. unmitigated. And there's a great, it, it is, if you want to see the true characteristic of the, the gun debate, mm -hmm. it is, if you want to see really what it's about, um, there is... And I cannot believe I'm going to say these words. I'm I'm very very disturbed by them. Um, there's a really good short college humor sketch that I just oh God. came across on Facebook yesterday. One of the dumbest, bougiest, just unabashedly worst things ever. Reactionary shit. Exactly. And yet they nailed on the head exactly what I, the point I was going to make, and they made it in a way that I think you could share with people, which is actually kind of cool. Um, look at what happened when the Panthers started walking around openly carrying guns. Look at who the gun control advocates became at that time and who the gun you know rights people became at that time. It is all about power. Mm -hmm. It is all about who gets to have the power and who doesn't get to have the power. And oh, yeah. One thing neoliberalism is great at, it is deciding which group gets to be oppressed, and it almost always is the underclass. Yeah. And so the second the ruling class is threatened by guns... We will not have guns in this country anymore. It is because right now it is absolutely of no threat to them that we can promulgate it everywhere and anywhere. It is not. Well, and whenever they talk about it, it's like any other time one of these, like, quote unquote, libertarian, the, the right wing, the ANCOMs, these snake fascists. When the snake fascists <laughs> uh, talk about get the government out of my do do do, what they mean by government is they mean when the ruling class's entity, okay, the, the, the government, the state, uh, has to make a concession to the working class in order to resolve the conflict and to reassert the ruling class as, as a ruler. It's not bald-facedly the ruling class crushing the oppressed class and marginalized people enough for these right-wingers. Yeah. When they say get the government out, they mean get the concessions to us in the working class and to marginalized people out. Just take take that stake and drive it the fuck in there. When they say get the government out, it is not get the government out. It's not their anti-authoritarian or whatever they want to say. It is explicit goddamn fascism. Yeah. And so when they say, you know, stay out of my guns, I keep my guns, get the government away from my guns, right? They don't want, 
like all the indigenous and black and poor people to have guns. They don't want what happens in Cuba where they're not number one <laughs> in weapons owned, but 75% of their population has guns. Yes. Whereas we're number one in weapons. That's like what? 17%. Yeah. Like 83% of Americans don't even have a gun and we're number one in guns yeah. because it's it, stockpiled to the, the wealthy guns and the powerful. Guns are a great analogy for capital in this yeah. country. A, a whole, a, a real small number of people have all of it. Well, <laughs> and, and they should be great now. They're, they're, they're explicit power dynamic. There's a reason that there's 75% of armed people in Cuba and Cuba's a socialist country. The people rule because yeah. <laughs> they can rule by force at, at any given moment. But but David, it's a dictatorship. Yeah, oh, they're yeah. being ruled over by that one mean guy. By the one mean guy who most of the people can't even name anymore because he's not Castro anymore. Yeah. They're like, isn't there still a Castro there? <laughs> like, <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, but obviously there's there's a lot of complexity, you know, and and we don't want to just start being brooding machismo, you know. I mean, I don't no. want a bunch of like, you know, a group of dudes who have a bad history of getting into left spaces and and crushing down parties with predatory behavior. No. Like, please arm these guys and make them think that like guns are the same as their dicks being bigger and show oh, off like the right wing. God. Right? I don't want that, no. okay? I don't want a place that's been infiltrated by by, you know, cops and feds to and and has taken these ideas that are that are anti-imperialist and twisted those words in very Bernstein-like opportunist ways to be imperialist to to have more guns, right? I want I want marginalized people to have guns to defend themselves. Yes. Okay. Um, but the the fact of the matter is, as much as as we need actually complex gun discussions where we don't just come in with brooding machismo, where you know we don't uh, we don't come in. And ignore that that suicides are the biggest killer in guns. And there's a lot of people that have mental illness. And they're as much as we do want us to have guns to to defend ourselves and men, people with mental illness are the biggest victims of police violence. We don't want, you know, to give everyone that that's a suicide risk a gun. You know, we need to make sure that the people know how to lock guns up, how to treat them safely. We need to make sure they have trigger locks. That's all important stuff. And there's there's some more nuance to it. But. We should never be afraid to realize that guns are power. And, you know, maybe I don't want one in my house because I am a, a comfortably wealthy white dude with small children. Yeah. Right. And to, when, you, a gun, to, to you or me, a gun represents more of a risk than it does right. a protection aspect because we are not threatened by the system. Right. And the fact of the matter is, is if revolution kicks off, I want to have a gun. Uh, well, wait, but I don't need one right now. But I'm not going to sit there and say we need to restrict guns in, in these black communities because of quote unquote gang violence and whatever all this bullshit is. OK, uh, we need to give the guns to the cops and the people that really need it. You know, I mean, like what was the, the, the senator or something? And he was like, you know, I I didn't. uh I didn't have an assault rifle carried around me in Afghanistan for two years to come home and and have it, you know, in my in our kids' school and questioned like immediately. It's like, well, what? Why did you have an assault rifle in Afghanistan that for two like years? That feels like something Jason Kander would say. That <laughs> yeah. absolutely oh, feels yeah, like 100%. a hundred percent. One hundred percent. That guy's a douche. Oh, such a fucking opportunist piece uh, of shit. But you know, so I mean, we need to have that discussion. So it's Malcolm X's birthday. It's it's good reason yeah. to have the gun discussion. Um, we want guns. We should not be afraid of them. Um, they, they are our power. They, the two things we have are numbers, even when we're outgunned, 
Yep. And we still want to be gunned as well as possible. You know, I mean, if we have to kick off a revolution against, you know, precision drone bombs and we have rakes, we still have enough people. We, we If we get the people organized rally right, we win. But it's going to be a lot fucking easier and less deadly if we yeah. have guns. Yeah, guys, don't, <laughs> you know? don't. Anyone that tells you, well, you'd never be able to, t- you can't, again, you need to break it down to a local level. Oh, you're not going to stop the government with a gun. No, but if if there's a if uh, if the police are doing something like well, I can I can stop that at a local level, and then well, you'll never the, the U.S. military would crush any resistance. No, because guys, they've got they've got to think of their capital. They can't bring. They have people in these eight hundred base. The U.S. military, if they could concentrate, if they needed to concentrate that quickly, they would have toppled Syria. And more importantly, if take out the ability to look, let's look at an area where they didn't have to worry about protecting capital infrastructure or anything like that. Vietnam, they got, they, they lost Vietnam for a reason. Yeah. The Vietnamese were committed, they had the numbers, and they, they, they were able to outstand and beat back and take back their country from the U.S. full force of the U.S. The U.S. military dropped more bombs during Vietnam on, on, on that country than all of World War II. Yeah, I mean, look, we're facing an extremely well-armed, extremely powerful armed guard of our ruling class. We are in the belly of the beast. We are are in the, the imperialist core. That's why 100%. we have to fight by, back as much as anything. Yes. Um, that makes it scary. That doesn't mean that they're indestructible. Doesn't mean no. We're we're gonna have to. And that doesn't mean that in the meantime, just like just like a reform to expand the welfare state so we don't starve to death is good, even if it's really just another way that you know the ruling class controls us and and throws us off the scent. It'll give capitalism a lifeline and drag this process on for another. Right, right. But in the meantime, we're not dead. So when capitalism fails, it's yeah. not fascism and death. It's we have a chance to come back and topple this thing, and and then we have people to save. The, the defensive idea of guns and communities is still very beneficial, still very good. So we need to have these, not only the good gun conversations like what we just went over here, but even in public, just push back on the on the like, look, right wings are, are evil dumbasses and they only want the rich white people to have the guns. And it's the black communities and the indigenous communities and the poor communities, the homeless communities that need it. But the they're, they're throw off like, you know, things that they say that you think make them sound stupid and you ignorantly print around, oh, I'm smarter, I'm liberal, these dumb right-wingers, right? They're actually smart. Push back, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're lying when they say those words. They just want to arm the, the rich people more. But the words themselves are right. <laughs> and look at it. And at the end of the day, these people are not interrogating a, a question. They are reflexively uh, oppositional to a group that they don't agree with. Yeah. I mean, it is a right-wing thing to love guns. Therefore, me as smart liberal man, I will hate guns. You're not interrogating their use, their power, their the structure, the dynamics. You're just, you like that, so I can't like that, so let's have our thing. Yeah. That's all this turns down to. And that, that usually comes from the meet-in-the-middle people, essentially. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> God. The practical idealists on yeah. the West Wing and all yeah, that kind of God fun damn. stuff. Uh, so anyway, that was a long, long conversation after we hit Lenin's brilliant transitional words about... Yeah, as usual, capital. we cannot let Lenin's words stand as they are. Uh, we, but, we must taint them with our, our fun juices. So, But happy birthday, Ho Chi Minh. Happy birthday, Malcolm X. Happy birthday, Lorraine Hansberry. And um, until next time, guys. Bye. Bye.